0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: In the fall, each year we all congregate, the found dog gathered at the church of Philgate. The scriptures read from the book and Monson. favorite verse, my God, of Christmas. Journal and the notches for Georgia Bay. Ain't nothing fine or in the lane. Now the 3,000 of our best friends.
0: It's Saturday in that thing. Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldog show. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, Market it to people.
1: What's happening, everybody? I can't remember the last time we actually had a show with just the two of us, so we got a ton to catch up on. So we're just going to dive right in.
0: Yeah, man. Summer's been wearing us both out. We've had a lot of activities going on. Boss just getting back from a lovely vacation at the beach how was the vacation you had a good time
1: it was wonderful by thursday we were all so exhausted we were like when are we going home so <laughs> sun kicked everybody's butt it was but it was wonderful nice to get away we went with another family with their kids too all the kids got along it was wonderful though really nice getaway
0: yeah and i need the vacation from the vacation as it goes exactly exactly yeah yeah i get that well um, like you said lots to cover lots been going on Uh, We tape today and it is report day for fall camp and they will start fall camp tomorrow, August 4th. Um, So finally, talking season is over and we're actually going to have some pads clanging. So that's a good thing. Um, It means things are getting close. I think as of our taping, we're 31 days from kicking the bends. And in some ways, I feel like, the summer, I'm not going to say the off season, but the summer has felt like it's gone by quicker than last summer did. Maybe some of that is just, we're the champs, baby. So I'm not like so ready for it to begin. I mean, I am so ready for it to begin, but it's a different, I don't know. There's a different emotion around it this year. I think a different urgency. It's like, as a fan, I just feel great. Just living the dream. Summer of champions. It's fantastic, right? So yeah. it's just a different feeling. Same for you or different?
1: No, I completely agree. There's not that there's eagerness, but it's not that uneasy eagerness, like, oh my God, what's this season gonna bring? It's the it's excited anticipation at this point because we are the champs. And yeah. what is this season gonna bring? Is this gonna be a repeat of last season? Like that it's and it's an expectation of a repeat of last season. I'm not one of those fans who's like, if we don't repeat, it's a disappointment because no, I mean, when was the last time somebody repeated? Like it's
0: been what 30 years? Something crazy like that? Uh Bama has no repeats in that stretch with Saban. I thought they went no. back to back one year. No? No,
1: I don't think they have I I don't think they have any repeats in that stretch. I think the last repeats were wa- were it wasn't Miami in the 80s, was it? That wasn't the last repeat, was it? No,
0: I don't know. I'll have to look on that.
1: I know Saban hasn't had a repeat in that because that was one of the, for lack of a better term, bitch fests I got into with the fan because they were talking about how, you know, if Georgia didn't repeat, this was just a fluke one-off. And I'm like, Saban's never had a repeat. And we went back and looked through it. And they had he has not had a repeat.
0: Yeah, because USC's repeat was dashed with Vince Young and the Rose Bowl. So yep. And they were apt for it. And then uh, early 2000s Miami's hopes were dashed for it with Ohio state and the Fiesta bowl. Yep. And I would say those are two pretty dominant teams um, that, that I thought would have been up in that conversation. What about the Nebraska teams in the nineties? Not them either.
1: Uh, I'd have to go back and look maybe, maybe in like the 94, 95, like the Lawrence Phillips teams.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to look at that. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm not either Uh, would not, a disappointment to me if they didn't win the title. I think so many things go into winning a title in every sport, not just college football. I mean, winning a title takes some breaks to go your way and I think we would all be naive if we didn't say they had some breaks go their way through the course of um, the playoffs and all those things. So you have to have all that and then you have to have a really good team too. So there's a lot involved in those things. For me, I will say this though. Okay. (sighs) I want to know how bold I want to be about this for me with the roster coming back and with the schedule that they have, it will be a disappointment for me. If they're not back in the playoff though, that will not be a successful season in my eyes. If they're healthy, let me caveat that with, if they're healthy because they should go 12 and 0 in the regular season.
1: Yeah, they should go 12 and 0 in the regular season. I will say this. If it's one of those situations where it's, 12 and 0 in the regular season lose the SEC championship and there's three other undefeated teams. I'm not going to be like extremely you know heartbroken about that. Yeah. If okay. They, I- if if the, with the caveat they lose the SEC championship. Yeah. So, but if it's same scenario as last year, yes, like I fully expect them to make the playoffs, but.
0: I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here talking about end of season stuff, but you no, no, I, no, no, hundred percent. I'm just trying to set an expectation for kind of where we're coming from. Yes, when when we talk about all this stuff, you know, like I, I think expectations are a good thing, and I think this program is at a point where we should have expectations of excellence, and I think that's what yes. Kirby has built. I think that's what Kirby wants. I think the program has expectations of excellence. I think he spoke to that directly at SEC media days when he said this program was built for the long haul, essentially saying, Hey, y'all, we ain't going nowhere. I mean, he didn't say it that countrified, but that's what he was saying. Right. And good. I'm glad he's saying that because that's how we want it to be. That's how I feel. And I think that's how the players and everybody inside that building feels. So I don't know. Maybe it's not bold to say it that way. I mean, that, thats my expectation is that they go to the playoffs. I think with this roster, if they are healthy, and with that schedule, they should be twelve and zero playing in Atlanta for the second time this season, and then looking to play in Atlanta a third time because in the semifinal at the Peach Bowl this year, is that right? Pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the Peach and the Rose again. No, no Peach and the Fiesta.
1: Oh, Peach and the Fiesta. That's right.
0: Yeah, and then the uh, the title game Ugh. is out is out in L.A at SoFi. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, so let's let's go right into that because I want to talk to you about... I don't want to belabor it because I know it's been talked about a ton and we're a little late getting to it, but I do want to touch on a few things that Kirby said at Media Days and I, just some highlights of it. Okay. And the first one is, and I haven't really heard a lot of people comment on this. He made a comment during his presser that... This is the best staff that he's ever had at the University of Georgia. And my eyes kind of went, well, I mean, homie, that's a big statement. We're talking he had a staff that now has two NCAA head coaches on it. (laughs) Actually, three. He had Tuck, Beamer, Beamer, and Pittman on the same staff. All heads of Power 5 schools now. And he said, this year's coaching staff, best coaching staff he's ever had since he's been there. So that kind of made me go. Oh, eyebrows raised up on that one, because good, that's outstanding. That's what you want. I love that fact first of all. But just
1: because you have three Power Five coaches on there doesn't necessarily mean that they all mesh well together. So True. that yeah. could, that could be what he's saying with his staff, and you know, bringing in Fran, Fran Brown, bringing the promotion of half promotion of Schumann because he's co-defensive coordinator with Muschamp, having the relationship with Muschamp, you know, all of that gelling together on the defensive side of the ball and the young hungriness, uh, hungriness of Fran Brown. And, I mean, let's just say what it was. Adai just rubbed people the wrong way. Like, it wasn't flat out said, but I, I have a good friend who – is very well connected with West Virginia football Yeah. and nobody was really upset when he left. Yeah. Let me put it that way. Yeah. So apparently that's his MO. So, and I don't think too many people were upset when he left Georgia. Yeah. Um, so it's just, I think that Kirby is once a certain type of, uh, model of coach and he's got that in almost everybody he's got a good mix of the seasoned and especially on the offensive side of the ball and a good mix of the young and hungry really on the defensive side of the ball. And they're all really good recruiters.
0: Yeah, I agree with all of that. Uh, The second thing I want to point out is, and we posted a bunch about it on our social and everybody in their mama posted about it and they should have, because it was just the quote of all quotes. And that is, we will not be hunted at the university of Georgia, we will be doing the hunting. And first off, what, what a just electric quote going into a season opener where you're playing the ducks with all of the duck hunt. (laughs) I mean, ramifications of that. So I love that, but he was very forceful about that. And that was the lead in then to, there will be no complacency. We have built this program for the long haul and we're not going anywhere. I mean, that was the whole kind of, realm of all that and he did all that in his opening statement without even taking any questions just kind of like cutting those questions off to go i know you guys are probably gonna ask me questions along these veins so here it is this is how we feel about it um he also made a comment kind of like look you guys talk about complacency well all these players that are here now they haven't done anything yet like we had a bunch of guys leave 15 guys go to the nfl really more than 15 but 15 drafted and these guys now haven't done anything which I thought kind of was like a a gauntlet, like a challenge laid down. Like, hey, boys, it's your turn now. Let's roll. And so I I liked that. I mean, that was another one that, that stuck out to me about it. And then this is less about a quote takeaway and more about an attitude. He was very confident and very assured. And I know he always gives that off when he's at these type of things, but it was different than that. It was more of a, we're real confident about where we are as a program and real confident about the roster that we currently have and the roster that we're going to continue to have. And doesn't that feel like for you as a fan, the biggest change between years past and the era of Kirby Meaning I feel like every summer and off season, you and I would have conversations about, well, we could do this if X, Y, and Z go right. Or yeah. this this could happen if so-and-so has this kind of year. And now, I mean, dude, we don't have those conversations like ever. It's just how bad are we going to beat somebody's ass? Right. <laughs> I mean, no, that's
1: exactly right. Because for the wheels to come off, there has to be, in my opinion, a slew of injuries or, I mean, something catastrophic has to happen. Because, I mean, you look at last year, going into last season, you tell me the beginning of last year that JT Daniels, gets hurt week one realistically and then doesn't come back until Vandy, which was what, week four, then -hmm. gets hurt again and then doesn't realistically play again the rest of the season. You, If you tell me that at the beginning of the year and tell me nothing else, what do I think our chances are to win the national championship? Realistically.
0: Yeah, not great. I mean,
1: or even the SEC at that point or, you know, do anything that we did last year that is not the mentality going into this year. Mm-mm. Georgia is with the depth of the team is built. They're not one guy, but it took us of a, a lot of the Rick trauma to get over that. A lot of that was, you know, I mean, 2000, what was it? 2013 will stick in my head forever because that team going into that year was supposed to be, you know, really good. 2012, you know, part two. Yeah. And, Gurley gets hurt. Then um, half the offensive line gets hurt. Keith Marshall gets hurt. Then we're down to Murray and two wide receivers, and Murray's running for his life. Then uh, both linebackers get hurt, if I remember correctly, in the first game of the season against Clemson. It was just – I mean, it was the walking window. We had J.J. Green, who bounced between cornerback and running back, and Brendan Douglas at running back that year for the majority of the year until Gurley came back.
0: Yeah, that was a – that was a tough year.
1: That was, a, but that those Georgia's built now to withstand those type of injuries. Now, hoping something like that never happens again. But they're they're built to withstand that type of attrition.
0: Yeah, the, the they, depth, due to what Kirby the, has done, the depth is different. And we talked about this a lot last year. They just look different. I remember going to G day last spring and thinking, you just look on the sideline and it's like it's like you're looking at an NFL team. I mean, the, the roster composition is just so vastly different from how it's been over the course of us following the team for 20 years. And I think that's the biggest change. Speaking off that, another interesting thing Kirby mentioned was that 95 players on the roster have NIL deals, yeah. which I, thought, I found that interesting. I think that was strategic to bring that up because I think he just wants to put that out there. In the stratosphere, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, we get NIL stuff happening here. Cause I think that has been a bit of a knock so far. And I will say I've learned recently that I don't, I don't have solid information on this, but I think there is, I think there is some co-branding friction between the university and the athletes as it pertains to NIL versus other schools. So for example, if I am Stetson Bennett and I want to go sign an n i l deal with somebody, they can use my name Image and Likeness, but I don't think they're allowed to use George's branding while he's using his name Image and Likeness. Does that make sense so like well, i don't that think- does
1: that that makes perfect sense because I don't know um I mean it's probably been eon since you collected sports cards or anything like that right yeah well okay so here's a perfect example when players are first drafted into the nfl they all get their first cards but all their first cards are usually in their college uniforms Mm-hmm. certain college certain uh brands of sports cards don't have deals with the colleges so they can't use it so they basically watermark it out so like uh you know my wife is a huge Zeus fan. So I got her a couple of Zamir uh, white cards and a couple of the cards. They, they not only do they not have Georgia logos, they can't have Nike logos on it. So they got a watermark it out. So yeah. it's just a very, very blank red helmet, blank red Jersey has the number on it. it. Um, so, I mean, that makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's something they're going to have to navigate and do it pretty quickly because if you're going to be, and I hate to say it this way, but this is real. If you're going to be "quote unquote" competitive in the NIL framework of recruiting, you can't say, "Well, hey guys, you can go negotiate a deal, but you can't use any of the university branding." Like that's part of your branding if you're the player. So yeah, that that's they, part
1: of your brand.
0: They, they got to figure that out. I was I was talking with somebody about this, and I was like, "How marketable is Stetson Bennett without his Georgia helmet and Georgia jersey?" Right. I mean. That's how we see him. And it's not just Stetson, it's, it's anybody on the roster. How marketable is Bryce Young if he can't wear the helmet with the number on it, with number nine on it? It's different, I feel like, from an image perspective. So that, they're going to have to figure that out. Uh, that's something they need to, I think, get straight because I think it would behoove them to allow the players to use it. I'm not saying they got to use it for everything, like if the kid wants to do CBD oil. <laughs> I don't think they have to let him wear the uniform, yeah. but they got to have some give and take on that, I feel like. And so we all know do you they're think this is slow a, to license their marks because they're always the last person to be on different apparel. Do you think this is a
1: school-specific, like certain schools are having an issue with this, or do you think this is just across the board?
0: No, I, I think it's... I th- My impression is it's an administrative choice at Georgia, which... Oh works hand in hand with how protective they are about their marks and their licensing of apparel and all those type things. What I'm saying is they've got to they've got to open the door a little bit and let the players use the marks. So I, I just think it's a smart thing to do if you're being proactive and looking forward. So we'll see. But I just know that there have been a couple instances where players are pursuing NIL deals that would then include apparel and things of that nature. And the caveat is, well, the apparel can't include any Georgia marks. Well, if I'm the apparel provider, that changes things for me because eight year old kid wants to have a t-shirt with Stetson Bennett wearing his Georgia Jersey, not Stetson Bennett wearing a blazer. (laughs) So they got to figure that out. In my opinion, that's just one Huckleberry's opinion, but that's my opinion. They got, they got to figure that out. So um, the other thing that was obviously big news coming out of media days that Kirby said was his firm stance that he wants the cocktail party to move on campus. And I want to get your take on it. I think you're pretty clear with how I feel about it. And it was interesting. I posted a coin flip on our Instagram story for people to respond and say, heads, It stays in Jacksonville, tails, it moves on campus. 78% of the responses, and we had like 50-plus responses. 78% of the responses, move it on campus. Shocked. I like could have knocked me over with a feather. 50-50 wouldn't have surprised me. 78% to move it on campus. And I was like, wow. So first off, where do you sit on that? And do you think that sentiment is more driven by Kirby's comments and people just being in line with head coach Kirby Paul Smart? Or do you think people just don't dig it being in Jacksonville?
1: Okay, my answer is going to be a little different than yours. I love it in Jacksonville. I'm going to be the... So we agree on that. We both love it in Jacksonville. But I think that if we are going to continue to schedule neutral site games against other opponents, other big opponents, we need to... Not necessarily move the, the Georgia-Florida game. We need to do something with it. Maybe do the every third year thing. So campus, campus, Jacksonville, mm-hmm. or some other way. Because Or we need to figure out a way to do more home and homes with other opponents yeah. instead of doing neutral site games with opponents. We need to find a way because we're losing too many
0: recruiting home games. Let me stop you real quick because I think that's an excellent point. I think that is part of this debate that I'm on board with, okay, is from a scheduling perspective, and it's, it's beyond scheduling, it's beyond recruiting, it, it's, it's layered. We already have a neutral site game every single year, okay? Everybody in their mama knows that. Well, we're going now two straight years where we're also having neutral site game to open the year, which is awesome too. We had a blast in Charlotte last year. I'm fired up about going to Atlanta this year. It's cool to be in these big neutral site openers. But how awesome would it be to play Clemson on campus? How awesome would it be to play Oregon on campus and be in Sanford and have that environment? So you're losing a home game when you do that. And dude, the home schedule this year ain't exactly lit. So I get it if I'm a season ticket holder that, hey, man, every other year we know we're getting at least Florida at home. And that's going to be lit. So, dude, I think that's a fantastic point. That's why I want to stop you because I just want to harp on that. I think, I think that's valid. And I think that's something that is needs to be fleshed out within the argument. So, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I wanted to point that out.
1: So, and the other argument I think is is that it's it's generational. I think that you're going to have a lot of people. Basically, I think we're the stopgap. Anyone 35 and older is going to want to keep it in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Anyone 35 and young 34 and younger is probably not going to have that attachment to it that we do, yeah, because they don't have the 10, 15 plus year history that we do with it, you know. I mean, you've been going to this, I mean, we've been going to this game, you know, or I've had this attachment to this game for, I mean, at, all, at this point, almost 20 years for us, yeah. and then mm-hmm. some longer, yeah, kids that have been kids that have, I say kids, but. You know, people in their early thirties or younger don't have that attachment to it. And to them, it's just, it's a fun weekend, but it's not that great because they have the other experiences of the Atlanta, the Charlotte, the, the Rose bowl, you know, all that stuff that's memories for them and the rivalry. They don't remember the nineties that were terrible, the mid two thousands where it was so back and forth to them. The rivalry isn't as big as it is to us because it wasn't now it's more, we still hate them, but it's more one-sided towards us. They don't remember when it was so one-sided towards
0: Florida. Yeah. And that's a good point. I I do think that's part of it. I just, I loathe them so much as a rival. I've been very clear about that in the stuff we've talked about. So for me, that's just the one, like if we're going to go one and 11, they're the one I want to win. And that's just how I feel about it. And um, so that's a piece of it. The other piece of it is, and you know, this, your boys are romantic. So the romanticism of the history and the neutral site and being on, only one of three annual games, that's at a neutral site. I love all that. You know, I mean, I would be equally as upset if they moved Oklahoma, Texas on campus. I love the red river shootout of, at the cotton bowl. And I mean the cotton bowl. Yeah. Not this, no, I know not this, not this bullshit where they're playing the actual cotton bowl at Jerry world. Like I, that bothers me too. Um, and to be honest with you, if they made the choice to move the red river shootout to Jerry world, just move it on campus. Like it ain't the same, like you got to have the state fair and like a seven foot long corn dog and you know, all the funnel cakes you can eat and a Ferris wheel ride before you go see Oklahoma whoop up on Texas. So I, I feel the same way about that. But yeah, I mean, but man, I'm telling you, Kirby's pushing on it. And I don't think he would push on something this actively, publicly, if there wasn't at least a little bit of momentum behind closed doors that it's going to become reality. Do you?
1: No, I think, I don't ever think it's going to completely go away from it, though. I do think that there's a potential for the, rotation every three years but i don't think it's going to ever fully go away just yeah just because of the tradition of it i I don't maybe eventually but i mean for one the financial aspect of it it's not like with all the money that the schools are bringing in right now it's not like that it's a huge windfall but the money aspect of it's right there and also the contract i mean think
0: about the money it would take to get out of the contract they have well no school neither school is going to want to pay that that's a piece of it though is that the contract is up i think next year so i thought it was 25 i, I think it's i think there's I it was just renewed to 25 i think there's an opt-out in 23 or something like because that's what everybody uh, kept talking about is that 23 could be the last year that they're there um so I, I don't know man i it's gonna be real interesting to track i do think the the solution you bring up would be palatable to people like me who are very attached to it being neutral that, okay, we're going to go on campus, but we're, it's going to be rotational. And every third year, we're going to be back in Jacksonville. Um, but see, I, I don't, I don't know that that is palatable. to Kirby it doesn't seem that way. Cause no. I, to, I think to him, it's purely based on the recruiting piece of it. So I, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with it, and it's something to track though for sure. Cause it's real. I mean, th- I think the momentum, I don't, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like he talks about it once a year. It's not something that continually happens, but I thought this was the most forceful position that he's taken in the, in the biggest spotlight. I mean, I don't think it was by happenstance that at sec media days, when all eyes are on you as the defending national champions coach, To in an interview, bring that up with a Gator legend, (laughs) or not bring it up. I mean, I think Tebow asked him about it, but um, he certainly didn't back down from where he sits on it. So, yeah.
1: I mean, it doesn't doesn't help though that Jacksonville's not really the mecca. You know what I mean? It's one hundred (laughs) percent.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. That's true. You know, it's not. It's not the destination that you would go to if there wasn't an outstanding football game being played there. Let's put it that way. Like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the top place on your list. And I get that. You know, I I totally get that. So yeah, I don't know, man. We're gonna see. It's it's gonna be real, real interesting. All right, I want to pivot off Kirby and talk to you about another just it, it may be my favorite tidbit from all of SEC Media Days. Stetson Bennett is getting interviewed at the days, and Nolan Smith walks up acting like he's a reporter from the daily morning news. And he says, who is your favorite outside linebacker on the team? And Stetson, like barely blinking goes, "Mm, that's going to have to be Bobby Beal. And everybody like thought it was very funny that he was not saying Nolan Smith. And and that is very funny and ha ha, but let's, let's not bury the lead here, folks. The fact that the fellows in the team are calling Robert Beal, Bobby Beal. And this is just coming to light for us as very, very tuned in fans. Homie, if you think I am ever calling number thirty-three Robert Beale again, you have gone crazy. He will forever now be Bobby Beale to me, and that is a just electric name. <laughs> let's yes. not let's not make any bones about it. Electric name, first team all conference name. So it is. Bobby Beale may have ten plus sacks now. Let's just put that out there.
1: No, I love it. That that was spectacular. So and and also the little tidbit of his uh, interview with uh, the little friends call back there. So oh, uh with uh, I thought I'm, you were
0: gonna lose I saw that and I was like you were Seth's gonna lose his mind over this. I I'm so happy you brought that up. So if you guys haven't seen it and if you didn't see me, post it on our social. Boss is referring to Year of the Dog, which aired on SEC network, which was awesome. I mean, it's been that's been one of the cooler parts of the off seasons is that there's just been so much stuff that you can keep being nostalgic about last season. And it was cool because it was kind of a look behind the scenes a little bit. One of the things was they showed a little precursor to an interview that Stetson had done with Jen Latta of ESPN between the orange bowl and the national title game. And she's wearing like these black leather pants. And there's an episode in friends where I think it was a new year's resolution episode. And Ross says, I've always wanted to wear leather pants. And so he wears leather pants and he goes on a date with this girl but he has to use the bathroom. So he goes to take a leak, but he's, he's sweating because the leather pants are so hot. So then when he is done taking a leak, he goes to pull the leather pants back up and they won't come up. They're like too hot. Or maybe he wasn't even taking a leak. He was just so hot. He was having to like fan himself because he couldn't stand anymore. I can't remember. I haven't seen the episode in a long time, but anyways, he calls Joey on the phone from the bathroom. He's like, Joey, I can't get my pants back up. And Joey's like, is there, um, is there any powder around? It'll suck up all the moisture. So he, like, sprays all this powder on him. And that's where he's like, how about lotion? The lotion will help the pants slide back up. And so then he puts the lotion on. And then he tells Joey, he goes, the lotion and the powder have formed a paste. <laughs> and Joey says, this is the solution. Just make yourself a pair of pace pants. <laughs> I mean, it is a world class episode. So, anyways, I tell you all of that. Tell <laughs> that Stetson walks into the interview with Latta, and he goes, "You watch, you watch Friends," and she's like, "Yeah." He goes, "Remember the episode when Ross wore those pants?" I mean, I I had to pause it and be like, "Did he just say that?" I ran it back like three times. I almost fell off my couch. I was laughing so hard. And he said it with the biggest shitty grin on his face too, which made it even better. I mean, woo! it got your boy. I mean, in all the right places. <laughs> so yeah, this is just another peek inside your co-host brain. <laughs> but yes, that was my statement.
1: went up a little, another few notches in my book of being a friends fan.
0: Oh man, way up. And you want to know the first person I texted? Cole Wilcox. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. This is, I mean, this is beautiful. So yeah, Uh, that was, that was just, I mean, (laughs) just an all timer, all timer. Stetson went way up in my book. I was like, my man is a closet friends fan and dropping knowledge on the people. Just awesome. Yeah, that was good. Very glad you brought that up. Cause I would have forgotten about that, <laughs> but yes, that was very, very good. Yeah. I, it, it was speaking back on his interview too. It was cool to hear him talk about the blue angels. And he said, he said, I, anytime now when top gun comes on, I tell all my friends, Hey, you know, I, I did that. <laughs> Dude. He's kind of funny. Funnier than I thought he was, to be honest with you. I think because he's always been so buttoned up in his media, but dude, he's pretty funny. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to him having more media availability and feeling more comfortable to just drop lines like that out of the yeah. blue yonder. Um, all right, one more thing for media days, because it's right up you and I's alley. How much are you going to cut a check for to the College Football Hall of Fame to have that portrait? Of Harry Dog, in the king's regalia, oh. with Uga at his feet, to have at Casa de Boss. Like how big? Oh how big a God. check are you stroking for that thing?
1: I, I, as much as my wife will let me.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> when I saw the picture, so Logan Booker from 960 the ref posted it, the picture of it, and my first thought was, Boss would pay no less than one million dollars for that painting right there. <laughs> I was like
1: my first thought was when I saw
0: it was like that'll make a great tattoo oh that's a that's a that's a good one hey you need some new ink brother get you something do yeah man I that thing was cool I (laughs) I direct messaged the college football hall of fame on twitter and was like hey can we get some like details on this like I feel like this just kind of went under the rug. can we see like who the artist is so if the artist is selling prints everybody and their mama can buy a print like Let's hype the artist up here. So I'm still working on that. When I get the information back on the artist, I'm going to blast it out there by that will listen. Because, man, I need to print at least. I mean, I ain't, ain't got the kind of money to actually buy the painting, but I need to print or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That thing was awesome, man. Really, really cool. And plus, anytime you integrate Harry and Ugga in the same thing, world class. So I need to get on that. Um, also, after Media Days... Kirby got himself a big old check. I mean, our our man got PAID. That's why my moms hate me. So, and I was happy about it. Give him all that money.
1: No one deserves it more. And then did you find it interesting that right around the time the contract was announced, that there was the the news came out that he was talking about retiring after
0: COVID year? Yeah. All right. Like that I'm- came out
1: right around the same time.
0: Yes. All right. Good pull on that. I do want to talk about that because I felt like that was one of these things where he was at a coaching clinic in Texas when he or maybe it was just he was talking to Texas Coaches Association or something. But the way I took it was and I think the video is better about it being this way. It's one of those things you say, you know, man, we were so exhausted after the recruiting period. I was ready to retire. Not I was actually thinking about retiring. Does that yes, make sense? No. You see the I, difference in those? Yeah, two? that's exactly how I took it. And I think somebody jumped on that as oh Kirby wants to retire as more of a way to spend views on an article or get their tweet retweeted than it was that's what he actually meant. But boy, that thing got legs real quick.
1: I mean, he got, got as many legs as, you know, him talking about how, you know,
0: like Shannon Sharp going off about how he hates NIL and all this crap. And, oh, you know, that was, yeah, you talking about much to do about nothing too. That was ridiculous, which also just goes to show you these drive-bys that don't consume anything related to college football year-round, nor the Georgia football program year-round. If you know anything about anything about Kirby Smart, it, he's all about taking care of his guys, which NIL helps you do. I mean, he's been an advocate for it from the start. So yeah, that was, that was ridiculous, which I'm glad that kind of went away. That was only like one news cycle. I feel like before that was pretty much under the rug. Um, but yeah, so he's locked in 10 years. I think by a certain point, it makes him the highest paid coach in college football, which he should be. Um, and we've talked about this, man. I think if he wants to, he'll stay there till he retires, you know, he'll just be yeah. there Telly doesn't want to be there. Um, you get to a point. I think I was talking with Jason Hasty about this. Do you think at a certain point we get to his name being on something? Probably not while he's coaching, but does it become duly Smart Field? Duly Smart Field, or does it become Sanford see that. Smart Sanford Smart Stadium if he wins multiples? Like, how does all that go?
1: I could see that. It depends on the longevity. If he only, you know, coaches there for a total of 10, 11 years, it it depends on the longevity. Like if we're talking that he, he's, he's part of the, like if he retires and then goes into like the athletic department, like Dooley did, and he's part of the program for 30 plus years. Yeah. There's no question. But if he's just part of the program for like another three or four years, and this is,
0: this is the peak. And then that's it. I'm not sure. Like, I'm really not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested. You know, I feel like in general, UGA is, is funny about, I don't even know what you'd call them, um, idols, meaning like statutes and stuff like that for, for the fans to come he, honestly, to come worship. He, he might be dead before it happens at
1: this rate. Like the fact that Dooley was still around when, it ha- when Dooley Field happened, honestly, is a miracle
0: because well, and- it, it took them 25 years. Yeah, that, that took way longer than it should have. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what will happen with that and, and how those things will materialize. I, I will say this. Let's caveat all this with different world we're living in now with Josh Brooks' AD. So that is true. I do think that changes the calculus on all that, um, just because I think Josh is way more in tune to those type of things. So I think that's a good thing as, as it pertains to that. Um, well, we talked about it a little bit. So fall camp starting tomorrow, August 4th. We're taping on the 3rd. So August 4th, they're starting. And we'll obviously have a lot more coverage now that fall camp is, is starting up and, and chat with you guys and talking about the roster and all those type things. But give me a player on offense and on defense that you are excited to see come 9-3 that may be – the general public is not talking about or keyed in or mm, that's tough.
1: Um, give me or two, and then I'll give you my, my gut feeling on this.
0: Okay. I did a two minute offense on this, this week. My offensive one is Arian Smith. You are, you are very clear on how I feel about Arian Smith. If Arian Smith is healthy yeah, for this entire season, he will be on highlight packages, each weekend. I mean, that's that's just how he is. He is must-see TV when he is on the field. Like the guy, when you see his number run on the field, you go, whoop, get ready, baby. Something electric's about to happen. So he's my offensive one. My defensive one, and I feel like his name has not gotten mentioned one time this entire offseason, Chaz Chambliss. I am very interested to see the role that he plays. Did he's true freshman last year. He plays in, I think, 14 of the 15 games. And Kirby, very early on in the spring last year, mentioned him, his example, how hard he worked, all those types things. So he's one I got an eye on, brother. I think he could make an impact. So those are my two, Arian Smith and Chaz Chambliss.
1: All right. Mine are completely different. This shows you where our mind goes. Complete. Mine are not as flashy. Yeah,
0: bo- bo- offense, boss is both going to be in the trenches.
1: No one. Uh, I want to see how Tate's recovered. Yeah, that's a good one. So um, I think that, I think that he is key to how the offensive line shakes out. If he is healthy, I think we probably know the starting five right away. If yeah. he is not healthy, I think both guards p- spots are in play. And then on defense, I want to see Xavier sorry. Yeah, because I remember when he came in, I mean, highly touted. And then also, I, actually, it's twofold on defense. I want to see Xavier and sorry and Ryan Davis, because Ryan Davis has been on campus two years. Had season in the injuries, came in with a season in the injuries freshman year, had another season in the injury in um, spring last year. He came in highly touted as well. Both of those guys, I think, could solidify the linebacking core much more than people are saying. I mean, there's J.D.J. is obviously the flashy one from last year, got got some playing time in the blowouts. I think he's almost positive he's going to be one in the rotation. I think yeah. we're going to rotate three or four in the middle linebackers. But I think mm-hmm. both Ryan Davis and Xavier Sori could surprise some people.
0: Yeah, I think Pop's the mainstay. I'll be shocked if he's not on the field every play at yeah. one of the at one of those positions. Um, yeah, I like those. I like all those. Did you see the video they posted yesterday, Georgia football's IG of them lifting weights? It was Max Day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do, do you see what he said? Did you see what Tate said when he was lifting? Uh-uh. Baby weight. He was putting up his baby weight. That's what he said. when he put it <laughs> up. Um, Let's just be assured. It was not baby weight.
1: <laughs> Speaking of weightlifting and tying this into Georgia football,
0: did you see the squat that Nick Chubb did a couple of weeks ago? I mean, he is from a different planet. He might, he might be a distant cousin of Thor. <laughs> like seriously, he, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's outrageous the amount of weight that that human can put on his body and just throw around with ease yeah how much he do did you, two reps it looked like it was about 700 how much do you love to he goes back to the high school gym to pump that out oh it's
1: great it's spectacular yeah. I love that he, he gives back to that gives back to his yeah. hometown it's probably the only place he can go or go where he's just not he's not mauled too so anywhere in Cleveland he probably just everybody knows who he is so. Do you
0: feel like he's a guy and this is going to sound really stupid to say out loud, but do you feel like he's a guy you've appreciated more since he'd left than when he was actually playing?
1: I don't know, man. I loved him when he was here. I really yes, did, I, but I no, mean, I do, I, I do because he's but, been such an ambassador. I mean, he's such a quiet ambassador, but he's still mm-hmm. such an ambassador for the school and the program since he's left too. Like he's always, you know, any t- I mean, anytime he th- does say something, which isn't very often. He always is representing the G. So I
0: still appreciate him so much. Even today. I think for me, part of it is he was so good the whole time he was there and he was so good early, you know? I mean, I'll never forget when he debuted against Clemson, just how you go, who is this kid? Like people are just bouncing off him. Like he's a snowplow. And I mean, you know, And then obviously to to go out the way they went out playing in the national title game. But I don't know, man. I, I don't think when he was there, I ever consumed him like, dude, we are watching a generational player right now, like I did when Todd was there. And now that he's gone, I go, dude, he was generational. Like one of the greatest to ever wear the uniform generational.
1: I think it's because of the personality. Because Todd has such a magnetic personality. You were drawn to him. Nick, his personality was so overshadowed by Sony's personality because they were a combination. It was Nick and Sony, Nick and Sony, Nick and Sony. You split them up. At college level, you still think of Nick and Sony, but you give him, like in, in the pros, you see how special he is by himself. Even though he does have a running mate in Cleveland, like he's one of the top, three or four backs in the NFL right now. 100%. Hands down. Yeah. So, and if you give him, you know, the keys to that, to that, I mean, he's with Kareem Hunt right now, but if you just give him the lead back role and let him carry the ball 25 times a game, because he's one of those backs that gets the more carries he gets, the better he go. he does. I think he could very easily run for, for 2k
0: in the NFL. Well, maybe that's a piece of it too, is, for as good and as magnetic and as memorable as Herschel and Todd both were when they were wearing the red and black, neither one of them had NFL careers to mimic their college careers. I think that's fair to say, don't you? I mean, I do think, I will say this, I'm caveat met with. I do think Herschel's professional career is very undersold. I think he had a very good professional career. He just wasn't Hall of Famer Herschel Walker, right? Which I think a lot of people probably anticipated. Whereas Nick, if he stays healthy, he could very easily be a Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah. Todd had a four-year stretch that probably will go down as one of the best four-year stretches in, in NFL history. But, sure. I mean, I, I saw a stat on Todd the other day. I think that he still leads the league in touchdowns since 2016 and he didn't even play last year either that or he's like top two or three it's like him and henry which is crazy but he's very much a career that's very terrell davis-esque very yeah. dominant mm-hmm. for very, a couple of years and then his body broke down now i know td yep. td yeah. got in the,
0: in the hall of fame but td got in the hall of fame because he got two super bowls two super bowls yeah absolutely yeah that that's a big difference and I, i'm I guess I'm making the prediction now that if he stays healthy, Nick has the opportunity to be full legacy. I'm talking what he did at Georgia and what he's done in the NFL, the best running back to ever come out of the university of Georgia. That's a, that's a big statement, my friend. Yeah, I could see that. But what I'm saying is if we're looking at full picture, what he did at Georgia, what he has the potential to do in his NFL career, if healthy, Dude, he'll be a college football hall of famer and an NFL hall of famer. That's, that's yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because he's he's well, gonna.
1: We got NFL he's,
0: training. Oh. He's got the capability, Go I think, to to work himself up the rushing charts to put himself in some historic conversations if he stays healthy.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah. So we've just had NFL training camp start last week, I believe, and the, I mean, the first yeah. preseason games tomorrow, which just baffles me. So let's make some with all the dogs in the NFL rookies this year, let's make a, a couple of
0: bold predictions. Time out. I want to give you some shine here. You said directly after the draft that you thought of all the dogs drafted, George Pickens had a great opportunity to be rookie of the year. Do you see what Chase Claypool came out and said the other day? Yeah. Yeah. Say, I did. say he's gonna lead the say he's gonna lead the NFL on rookie receptions. I believe that he's looked amazing. Have you seen the highlights? Like he's looked nuts. He's a stud. He's a stud. And he looks like he put on some weight. I mean, he looks ripped. So I just want to give you your shine on that. You're three months ahead of that brother. So you're on the money. It all depends on the quarterback there.
1: I mean, if Trubisky plays well, which I mean, Trubisky gets a bad rap, but he played in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Like if you let or, Trubisky play to his strengths, I mean, he's not a terrible
0: quarterback. He's yeah. serviceable. The Chicago Bears, where quarterbacks go to die. <laughs> yeah.
1: Justin Fields is learning that the hard way. So All right. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt who, you. I just wanted to give you your proper shun. So who do you think on the defensive side out of all the players that got drafted, um, of the rookies, who do you think has the best year this year?
0: Oh, I can't give you one answer. i got to give you two. And I think they're actually going to benefit each other. Um, I'm going to lead with Jordan Davis because I think he's going to get the most playing time. But I think when the year is all said and done, the Dean will be the general of the Philadelphia Eagles defense. I mean, the two of them are going to make me watch Eagles games, which if you know anything about me and boss. Nauseating. It is nauseating that I'm even saying that out loud. I have a little bit of puke in my mouth after saying that, but it's real. I cannot wait to watch them. And I just love that they're going to be together. Um, I mean, look, man, I I believe in all of them so much. So I think they've, they've all got big opportunities. I think Green Bay is a co- great spot for Quay. I think Quay could have a nice year. I think he's an NFL type guy. And dude, I think Trayvon could have a big year. You know, he's got a lot of pressure, so I really want him to have a big year because I feel like a lot of people knocked that he was the first pick, which irritated me. she just talk about a world-class kid. I mean, the type of kid that if you can't root for him, something's wrong with you. Um, so I hope Trayvon has a monster year just to shut people up. So, man, I'm, I'm really rooting for him too. But I just think J.D. is – when you've got guys already talking about him, like on the roster, going, man, that, that Jordan Davis, you sh- people shouldn't be that big and move like that. And there have been multiple NFL guys on active rosters already saying that. So, I mean, listen to what people are saying. You know, so I, for me, he's the one I think will have a big impact. And you know how he is. Yeah. Because of his personality, people are going to talk about him. I mean, already the video came out of him singing at rookie night. So, you know, it's JD. I mean, he's he's larger than life in so many ways.
1: <laughs> yeah. Who's yours? Well, I think it's J. I think it's JD too, but I'm going to have a different answer just because I'm going to go the other D tackle one. I think Devontae is going to have a heck of a year. Yeah. So I, I really again? do. I think Devontae is going to have the opportunity to have just a huge year. Yeah, and he's with Quay and and Stokesy. So. I mean, and they play different styles, though. It's not like Jordan is going to be huge in a different way. He's not going to be on the stat sheet, though. Like yeah. Devontae, is, you're going to see some stats out of Devontae. If he stays yep. healthy, you're going to see that, some
0: stats out of Devontae.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's
0: exactly right.
1: And realistically, I think that all three, meaning Pickens, Zeus, and Cook, could all have huge years for as rookies on their respective teams.
0: Yeah. I, I will say, man, we talked about this after the draft and I, I respect the Pickens pick, but because of the quarterback that's in place and the offense that's in place, James could have a very impactful year as a rookie. And I think we're going to see most of that receiving. Yes, I do too. I, I just think it's, he is a perfect fit for today's NFL with what he's able to do. Cause dude, they, uh, you know, they've been showing the games a lot and what's Watching back the orange bowl. Dude, he just he makes things that aren't easy look easy. Like that over the shoulder catch that he made on the, the long throw, score touchdown on it. Just that's a tough yeah, play. Yeah he, did. yeah. he tracked that and made that look simple. And so for them to have that capability from a schematic perspective to put him on a mismatch and do things like that, he could have he could do something. You want to know who else I'm excited to see? Not in this draft class. But McCole Hardman in Kansas City this season. Yeah. I mean,
1: if I mean, they, he's the
0: guy this year, he's going to have to be. I mean, he, or he's, you would think he's going to get every opportunity to be the stand-in for Tyreek Kill now that he's gone. So, yeah. The, the, the beauty of this is, speaking about NFL training camp, is we've got so many dogs now to watch that it's made the NFL compelling for me again. Because I have so many guys that I'm tracking each week going, oh man, I got to see how they did this week or see what they're doing here. It's going to be great. All right. Last thing before I let you go, I want to talk about the Pick'em Challenge. So if you guys follow us on social at all, you know that we're doing the Pick'em Challenge this year for fans and listeners. So we'll have the link in the show notes. You know, we've been doing guest pickers on our preview shows ever since we started the show, and we keep track of them. And the winner of the guest picker challenge gets the 10 pounds of red. Well, now you can get the 10 pounds of red yourself. So come and pick with us. And we've got, I think 20 plus people signed up now, somewhere in that vicinity. And we want to amp that up. So come ahead and sign up. We're going to have prizes for uh, four season ending finishers. And then we're going to do a weekly prize for best week. And we've got some partners on board that are going to contribute those prizes. It's going to be a lot of fun and just, A nice way, a community type thing for us to convene together, make some picks together, talk about the season, whether it be dog stuff or just the college football season at large. So hop on there, we'll have the link in the show notes and we'll also kind of we'll keep having it on our socials each week. So come hang out with us, man. See what you guys can do. Me and boss are going to pick, but we're not going to be eligible for any of the stuff. But I feel like it's kind of a fun way. Well, we make the picks on the show. I think what we should do. And you tell me you think it's different, homie, but we should just make the same picks in the pool, right? Yeah. Yeah. Our picks should be whatever our picks are for the week. Yeah. And then you guys can kind of keep track of what we're doing. And I don't know. It'd be fun. Plus, it'll, it'll lessen boss's load from having to keep track of all of our picks each week. (laughs) That is a fair point. Yeah. Unless, unless I do what I'm prone to do, which is change my pick halfway through the episode because I've, somebody has convinced me that I've, that I want to do something different, <laughs> which has happened <laughs> yeah, several times. So Yeah. So, well, yeah, but hop on there and do that. And, uh, check yeah, We're here, baby ball camp tomorrow. Let's get lit, baby. Season is about to be here. Hey, Woo! we're a month away, month away, brother. I'm, I'm getting jacked up now. Like I'm, I'm ready for it. So we're excited for another season with y'all. Can't wait to keep going on this journey with us. And as always, thank y'all so much for, for listening and hanging out with us. Um, This has been the most fun about boss not doing this is just kind of getting to share in this experience with, with all the dogs fans. So until our next episode to talk about actual football and fall camp, go dogs, go dogs. Hey, George is better now.